You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. I'm back. Uh, it's been about a week since I last had one of these live recorded. I am Jeff Ellis, the host of Locked On Indians. I hope you enjoyed the draft content. As a bit of a filler there, the draft is quickly approaching. We're just a few weeks out. The Indians are going to add several, you know, high-value players to their organization, uh, which is important because the organization is, man, what a beating. Since we left, uh, uh, Savale got hurt. Naylor got hurt. Let's just dive into those at the start. So Aaron Savale's injury means the Indians' top eight starting pitchers to start the year have all spent some time on an injured list. That's right, their top eight potential starting pitchers to enter the year. I'm sorry, no, that's wrong. Seven of the top eight. Justin McKenzie hasn't been hurt. He's just been largely ineffective. Seven of their top eight have spent significant, or not significant, but they've been hurt. They've missed time. Uh, Scott Moss, I'm trying to think if he's even pitching in double-A yet. I don't think he is. The, it's forced them to go, you know, really deeply digging. Guys like Henches and Mejia that were honestly more like their ninth and 10th options. Well, that's, yeah, because when those players were called up, Morgan was hurt. Logan Allen had already struggled and then missed significant time. And as I talked about before, Moss should have been one of the first guys up, but he just hasn't been healthy. Uh, it's been a disaster. They went so far. If you listen to the podcast, you heard me talk about Justin Garza. So it, a little bit of a shocking ad uh, for the Indians. They had, what, two roster spots, essentially, because Savali got hurt, so they moved him off, and then they waved uh, Laverne away, and, which I always said. When they added him, it was because he's easy to cut. He'll end up back in AAA, and he'll be their third starter most of the year. But with him... You know, you bring up Hedges, and he needed a pitcher that brought up Garza. Garza's a, l- a little bit surprising from the fact, like, you know, this is a dude who's been Rule 5 eligible the last two years. Uh, never pitched above high A. He was hurt when they drafted him way back in 2015, so he didn't pitch at all that year and barely pitched in 2016. So you're looking at a guy who missed 2016 and then 2020 like everyone else. And... Hadn't been really good in the minors. Uh, missed an okay amount of bats, but a higher walk rate. Uh, so far this year, I mean, very limited in Columbus. He has been quite good in 20 innings, uh, 12.4. Uh, strikeout rate to 4.4 walk, but small sample size. Again, I wonder with a player like him, he's already 27 years of age. It's always great to see anyone get a cup of cup cup of coffee in the majors went two and two uh, thirds of an inning gave up one run so far i i still feel like he is without this sounding bad or like you know being very negative about a player who's just making his debut but he's another player where if they end up needing to open up a spot it's easier to move him off later like i I would be surprised if he's still on the 40 man come say october just because of the crunch that I have talked about. And if you're looking places, you're seeing a lot of other places are talking about this crunch. The crunch is real. The crunch is happening. Uh, it is an issue for the Cleveland Indians going forward. And something to consider, like, they honestly have to make two, three trades. Uh, every time I bring it up, people are like, well, what do the Dodgers do? 
Well, the Dodgers make a lot of trades. They acquire talent constantly. And by making those trades, they go out and cycle out that talent. That's, you know, you go and you look at something like the Betts deal. They moved, you know, multiple players. And they added multiple players that need to be added. But they keep making trades like that. You look what the Padres did. I've already talked about them ad nauseum uh, doing similar things. So, yeah, the Indians have to make a move. And they will. I'm positive at some point this year. But for now, you know, they caught up Garza. And, you know, just to go back to the original point with him, I talked about that the Indians liked him. Now, the, you shouldn't be shocked if he was considered someone they would call up, draft him out of high school, draft him out of college. He was someone that they, as an organization, have targeted. And, you know, I talked about he was hurt when they drafted him, and they still drafted him. Still gave him a decent signing bonus. Still got a six-figure bonus, even though he's hurt. And he's now gotten his cup of coffee. We'll see how many more opportunities there are. Uh, Robert Broom has not played particularly well. You know, when I talked about those 10 players that were really likely ads at the end of the season, uh, there was a time where I was like, oh, Sandlin and Broom are, are close in rankings. Well, Sandlin has pitched very well, and Broom has really struggled. He's probably not going to need to be protected right now. Uh, Sandlin and Owen Miller were the players they added. So you're like, okay, well, that's only seven more guys they need to add. Well, not quite, because Richie Palacios... Uh, leads the entire minor leagues in on-base percentage and is doing that while playing well in double-A after, you know, it's a guy who missed all of 2018 due to an injury and then 20, or I'm sorry, 2019 due to injury and then missed 2020 like everyone else. So, yeah, they got to add Palacios. Francisco Perez is turning himself into maybe the number two pitching prospect in the organization behind Nick uh, Miklajak who we won't see in Cleveland this year because he's two years away from needing to be added to the 40-man, so they'll wait to add him because of the crunch. But Francisco Perez is playing himself into that uh, top reliever role. Then, you know, I'm not surprised he hasn't been added yet, but uh, I, you know, I think he's a better prospect than, say, Garza. And then uh, Jelanski Noel, we've talked about multiple times on this podcast. First base, third base, I mean, he's hitting the ball really well chance you don't need to add him he's still very fringy because he's a first base third base not a you don't see a lot of first base uh players taken and he is in low a as in you know a corner infielder that's not uh where you see someone go so just some more names to know it's a, you know it's the nice thing is the system is uh players are stepping up with all the injuries that are occurring let's talk about josh naylor so i was watching the game on delay and when I saw it happen, my first thought was his knee completely bent. Now, I know the ankle is the thing that everyone else saw, but I saw the knee first. And I think the whole leg is a disaster. The Indians have confirmed it's a, a fracture of some sort. We don't know anything beyond that. I expect to hear multiple lig- ligament damage. I don't think it's going to be just like, oh, he tore his ACL. There's a chance that he tore all three. The way that injury happened, I could see ACL, PCL, and MCL. Uh, legitimate he may never be the same like it's a situation where the way that he hit and the way that that happened uh, I could see Josh Naylor having a career ender there we don't see a lot of those anymore but the way that's just going to affect him and his ability to generate and to hit and turn and move he's gone for at least a year uh he's not back this season they're going to it, it now they need an outfielder you know they've played so much better of late offensively uh we'll see when you know Luplo gets ready the problem is Luplo and Ramirez are essentially the same player 
uh, they bring the same kind of valuation. So I, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to having them both on roster just is uh, redundant. So I don't know how you approach that. Uh, you know, Luplo has been great, but Harold Ramirez has been great. Uh, you don't face enough lefties to carry two. So what are we going to do in that outfield? Well, we're going to touch on that in a second. But first, let's talk about our fantastic sponsors. And we have a new sponsor today. That is always exciting. It's always great to see we have one. Uh, it's Wild Alaskan. I have not had a chance to try this, but I know that another Sully from the Lockdown MLB podcast uh, ordered from Wild Alaskan, and he really liked it in our group chat. I've talked about the group chat a lot for Built Bar. He was talking about how it's fantastic, uh, that it's really great tasting. As he put it, I pay for fish. <laughs> I, that, that amused me. But Wild Alaskan delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood, seafood right to your door. Choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination. Every month, there are different specials to explore. Each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. Wild Alaskan Company Seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified. It contains no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they have a 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Get your nutrition with Wild Alaskan. Right now, you get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskan.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskan.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. wildalaskan.com slash MLB. Make sure to use our URL to let them know we sent you. So yeah, definitely check that out. Sully, uh, Sully will tell you it's good. Okay, so let's talk about Josh Naylor. It's rough. And there's no other way around it. It's, I mean, don't watch the video. Like, it's not worth it. A and B, uh, it's a freak accident. It stinks. I wish there had been better communication. I mean, that's totally bad communication. Uh, I believe it was Naylor's call. I don't know if they didn't hear. You know, no matter what happened, it's it's a freak play. So let's just understand no one is feeling worse now than Ernie Clement. Uh, I hope people are being kind to him. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are not. But uh, by and large, I hope people are being kind to Ernie Clement because nobody feels worse right now than him outside of maybe Josh Naylor himself, who is, like I said, that is a potential career ender. I, that that's that was as ugly a look as they come. It's bad. Uh, unspecified leg fracture is all we know. Just to quote that again. He was up to, so far this year, he had a 92 WRC+, plus, so he was still below average. His base running was a negative. His defense was a major negative. He was miscast as an outfielder. He just That's the truth of it. He should have been playing first base for this team. Uh, Bobby Bradley, I know, has been fantastic there. Naylor's been a little up, a little down. He's been close to league average, which you would take with the bat if the defense was there. Still, I mean, how do you, what do the Indians turn to? Talked about Luplo coming back. Again, he and Harold Ramirez are kind of duplicates. Uh, I think they're both kind of that platoon bat fourth outfielder. That doesn't solve your issues or your woe. It doesn't fix things. So instead, what can we do? How do we help the Indians? Because, you know, I'll go back to it. I, I did the, the data research again today. Top five outfielders drafted and or signed and developed by the Cleveland Indians since 2000. Luke Scott, Ryan Church, I'm having a Tyler Naquin, and then there's a bit of a drop, Ben Francisco, and then it's Bradley Zimmer. Uh, Clint Frazier, B. 
because he's had such a terrible year this year, he's, if you haven't looked, he is struggling massively, is now below Zimmer in total career war, so he'd be sixth. And uh, it still stands that of all the high school outfielders the Indians have drafted, drafted since 2000, there have been many. Uh, Clint Frazier's the only one to play in over 100 games in the big leagues. Good or bad, just playing in the big leagues for 100 games, it's shocking. <laughs> there is not, uh, it to be that bad at it is, uh, it feels almost impossible. But, I mean, they've been that ineffective. What do they do? I mean, the... The easy answer right now is Daniel Johnson. Uh, they need to go out there and see if he can do anything. And, you know, I've been calling for him all year. He's the most logical call-up at this point in time uh, for this team. They also, you know, can move around players a bit more when Fran Mil Reyes comes back. I don't know. Uh, he's just going to DH at the start. I, I don't know if they try him in the outfield, but honestly, it's... If you look at his defensive ratings in the outfield, he was no worse than Josh Naylor most of the time out there. Uh, so Cleveland is, has been insistent on not playing him anywhere but DH. But there's ways, especially, like I said, if you're willing to let him play outfield here and there. I mean, Nolan Jones, another name to consider. He's played really, he keeps getting better as the year goes on down there in AAA. And he's your number one prospect, and finding a way to get him in the lineup, it makes sense. You know, you want to get those types out there. Uh, I was hoping he would get some more reps. He hasn't got a ton of reps in the outfield so far this year, but that was my hope was we'd see him in there a little bit more. I think your best outfield hope is there. And this is a team that still has really nobody at center field. That That's an issue. Bradley Zimmer, yes, he is the fifth best outfielder. Uh, the team has drafted and or developed since, you know, which means signed internationally or drafted since 2000. Uh, he has a war of 0.3 this year by fan graphs. His WRC plus is a 73. His defense is above average. I mean, that's basically, he's a, he's a good defender, but the bat is just not there. It's, that's more what they need to do. What happened with Naylor is terrible. There's no way around it. But when you're looking at this team, I think you can make up a corner outfield spot easier. Again, using a Daniel Johnson or potentially a Nolan Jones, than you can center field. And Bradley Zimmer is not the answer there. He's he's not. Uh, your other outfield spot, you know, you're kind of mix and matching as a team. You know, Harold Ramirez is playing every day already in a center field or right field role most days. So. Let's just consider him a full-time player. Let's just do that. You got Luplo coming back at some point. He's a platoon bat all the way. You have Bradley Zimmer in center because you don't really have a lot of other great center field options. I, I know people brought up, uh, when I said Nolan Jones, bring up Oscar Mercado. I, I haven't heard anything about him, good or bad, which is often the worst. Like it, When you're hearing absolutely nothing about a player, uh, that is not a good sign when no one wants to, to tell you anything. There's just nothing to talk about. And the skill set down there is, he's gotten better, but he still has nothing that stands out. Could he be better than Zimmer? Possibly. Um, but his production down there has been pretty poor. I don't know if what the hope is for him long term, uh, as in, you know, the Indians view him. But if you just, like I said, looking at that outfield, if we just assume Harold Ramirez is one spot, we, for now, think Zimmer's in center field. Calling up Daniel Johnson 
and having a Johnson loop low platoon makes the most sense. Like that is the easiest thing to do. It's the easiest way to approach it. Uh, it's the best way when everyone's healthy to kind of go out there. Will they do it? I don't know. I think it's likely. I think they'll want to give him a chance. Uh, you know, I get Bobby Bradley's tearing the cover off the ball and you can go ahead and mock me for that. We'll see if it continues to go. And then, you know, I'll always gladly crow when it's a player playing well. But yeah, I was really high on Daniel Johnson and I will be curious to see, you know, if he can come up and help this team because again, he makes the most sense. He is the guy who I look at the Indians and athletically he can play all three outfield spots. His arm is probably the best of any of anybody on this roster, anyone on the 40 man in terms of outfield arm strength. He can do a bit of everything. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll see him. It, it's like I said, it's not ideal. They they already had a weak spot, is now a lot weaker. This was not uh, a position the Indians could afford to have this occur. Talking about before, uh, Daniel Johnson is you know your top outfield prospect kind of in the upper minors george valera has had a oblique injury he hasn't been playing all year like that's that's a bit of an issue when you you know he's the top outfield prospect in the system but we really haven't been able to see him play uh, we talked about mercado and then in akron uh you know i guess if we're before we go to akron we should probably trenton brooks did spend some time uh, in the outfield in the minors. He has continued to, you know, tear the cover off the ball. Uh, I'm using that expression way too much on this podcast, or I feel like it. The uh, right fielder, pitcher, first baseman, 17th round pick at the University of Nevada. If you have not been paying attention to him, combined with Akron and Columbus this year, 287, 414, 535, 948. Eight home runs. He's got four at each stop. He's been really good. He's 25 years of age. Again, a non-priority prospect who prior to this year, you know, he in the minor leagues had an OPS. His best minor league OPS was 750. He was interesting enough. He was a 20-year-old draft pick by the Indians uh, after his junior year. So that's kind of interesting. You know, he didn't turn 21 until July of his junior year. So he was a junior. He was a young for his class type of player. 17th round is a bit, typically it's like those first five picks in day three are the prospects. Those are the guys. Everything after that's a little bit more just organizational filler types most of the time. Now, Cody Allen was uh, was in those late teens. You know, it can happen. It's just interesting, again, for Trenton Brooks because this isn't what we've seen. Uh, you know, you go back to his college days outside of his sophomore year where he had his strongest year of his career. This is the best numbers he has ever put up. Uh, his sophomore year was quite strong, but that was mostly due to a ridiculous 44 on base percentage. Even then in Nevada, where, you know, hitting in the deserts often makes it easier to hit for power. He didn't hit for any power. So the, the home runs, like his previous career high was 12. He's already up to eight. That 12 was in uh, 114 games. So he is well on pace to crush that record. He's on pace to blow past everything. I don't know what you make of Trenton Brooks. I need to talk with some people, see what I can get. Uh, maybe try to get some video, see if anything has changed. 
But yeah, he he's kind of the outfield guy that stands out. I mean, I know he's mostly played first base this year, but again, in a year where a lot of players have kind of struggled down there in Akron, uh, or yeah, or in Columbus, I should say, Akron had quite a few guys playing well. Trenton Brooks has played well. Ooh, uh, what was it? I saw Andres Jimenez had like six straight games with a home run. His OPS down there, by the way, is up to 840. Uh, would not be shocked to see him get a call sooner rather than later. Gabriel Arias is playing well. You know, 757 OPS. We talked about him before. You know, irregardless of the struggles, everyone's kind of settling in and the performances are getting better. And it is the, I don't know if I want to say it's the fun, but it's the nice thing where, you know, Med Rosario's hit well. He's continued to look better and better. But yeah, Arias and Jimenez, both positive steps forward. Uh, it, it gives them more ammunition. You know, it gives them more potential ways to go out and target talent and try to add it to the team. Uh, it's it's nice to see. Uh, you know, the other, I think we're talking about outfielders, you know, I talked about Trenton Brooks and everyone else. There is a former big name outfielder where I have to talk about, and I'll get into him a little bit more in the third segment of the show. I love Bill Barr. I just do. Uh, since I've been gone, they had National Coconut Day. I'm sad I missed out on making an order then. Uh, I just forgot, or I would have, because I love Bill Barr. And if I went there, I'd use the promo code LOCKEDON15 because that 15% off is the same bonus I get as a return customer with the codes they send me. Let's see, they've returned orange and strawberry recently. They're doing all sorts of deals and special returning flavors. Go check it out for yourself. It's a product I adore. When I was doing my traveling, I was like, oh, I should have ordered some. I miss having it as a quick snack in the car because it tastes great. It's good for you. It gives you a nice little energy boost. Check it out for yourself. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKDOWN15. I love the product. I use the product. I buy the product. Built Bar is great. It's the best tasting bar I've ever had, and it is healthy for you. Remember, that is BuiltBar.com. Can't go wrong with Built Bar. So I promised some talk about uh, outfielders performing well in the minors was my tease. Uh, and while Alex Call is performing well, and I'm still shocked that they got uh, a, you know, Alex Call's stock had taken a hit. He was a third-round pick back in 2016. You don't take a player in the third round unless you have some belief in their ability to be a potential major leaguer. Uh, Yonder Alonso's contract, they got a prospect for him and didn't have to pay. That's still one of the best underrated Indians trades in recent memory. 892 OPS, 310, 389, 503. Yes, he's old for the level at 26 years of age, but let's go back to 2019 when he went to double a and in 81 games, he hit 205, 266, 321, 587. His OPS is over 300 points higher batting average over a hundred points higher. I don't know what he's done, but someone put in the time that much is clear. The player though, the real player to talk about is Will Benson. Should we talk about Will Benson here? You know, he, I'm looking at the wrong uh, stats. That's the other play I want to talk about. I got thrown off. I'm like, wait a second. Will Benson played in 2019. So Will Benson, I've talked about a lot. Former first-round pick. He was the first-round pick the year Nolan Jones was the second-round pick. He was a very high pick during the time uh, that uh, Tito was in the manager. I believe the 14th overall selection is the highest they've drafted over the last few years. He's a big kid, 6'5", 230. 
hard worker, like 80 grade uh, work ethic and effort was one of the first things everyone said. Question is always, is he going to hit? His swing was a disaster in high school, and it's it's still been a struggle. But through his minor league career, he hasn't been good. <laughs> and there's no other way to put it. Yeah, just going through something as simple as like OPSs. Uh, once you get him out of the rookie league, because Arizona is just what it is. 823 was encouraging in Mahoning Valley, then a 694 in Lake County, repeats it, gets a 785, goes, uh, I'm sorry, repeats it, gets a 974, gets the bunt, push up to Lynchburg, and a 594 the rest of the way there. Just could not seem to get it together uh, for the Indians. He, inaccurate, like I said, going through those numbers, most years significantly below 800. He's got an 890 OPS now. Again, career year. Haven't seen anything like this out of him. 484 slugging, 406 on base percentage. We'll get into that in a second. Only a 226 batting average. That's an issue. Now, batting average, you know, I, I used to be the one that batting average is worthless. Like, I went so far the other way, you know, where as a kid I grew up and I was always looking at batting average. Uh, to being like, it's it, there's value in batting average. I mean, on-base percentage is better. There's still value in batting average. There's, uh, you know, I, I think if you completely, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and that's why the old expression correct, if you don't look at batting average. And it's going to be an issue because for his career, he's got a 213 batting average. And what's going to stop Will Benson from being more than a cup of coffee guy is that, can he make enough contact? Uh, I think it's like if I went, I always bring up like Jack Cust. But, I mean, Will Benson's most likely outcome is a more athletic Jack Cust. I think Jack Cust has a career batting average below the Mendoza line. I want to say like 197 uh, was. And, but he was a first baseman corner outfield type. Uh, no, see, and that's the thing. I'm wrong. Like, I, I'm saying that about Cust. Cust had a 242 batting average. Man, guy played in the wrong era. That You know, Jack Cust, side note. Didn't play in the big leagues till 2007. Oakland, of course, the team that gives him a chance. 105 walks, 111 walks, 26 home runs, 33 home runs. That's age 28 and 29. Uh, age 30, 773 OPS. Age 31, he's still got an 834. His walks start to, to go down, as does his home runs. 26, 33, 25, 13. Hits his early 30s. Is not the same dude. But, man, it took him that long. <laughs> I mean... Arizona, Colorado, Baltimore, Baltimore, San Diego. All those teams couldn't get a chance. Finally got that opportunity. But no, so that's the thing. Like, in my mind, it's like, oh, Jack, no, even even Jack Cuss, the guy who in my mind was the can't-make-any-contact type, still had a 242 batting average, which is, that's the thing. I don't know if Will Benson can hit enough. But he's got five home runs so far this year. His career high is 22. You know, he, he is on pace to get close to that. He's got 35 walks. Uh, I should go over to Baseball Cube so I can. They do the work for me, where I can see like his the change in him as a player in terms of that walk percentage, because it's it's a significant change based on what we've seen in years past. And that's why, even though he's got the low bag average, he's walking. So like he always had a walk walk percentage in the teens, uh, 11, 13, 16, 14, 12, 22 this year. So that is about a 10% jump over his career average. Now, the strikeout rate is also higher, a little bit. Like, he's always been close to 30. It's at 33, uh, which is the second highest of his entire career. But what makes him able to be effective is that walk percentage. So it's interesting. Like, Will Benson, I look at the numbers, and again, I don't know 
I don't know if he can play in the big leagues. I just I don't know if there's enough there for that. But what he has done is enough to at least make that up for debate. That was not something I thought a few years ago. Uh, also, have to speak on the fact that you know the other outfielder down there, Oscar Gonzalez. I'm laughing. Eleven home runs in 43 games. Eleven home runs. He's got 10 walks this year too. Which you know, if you know Oscar Gonzalez, that, that's a lot for him. This is six foot four, two forty, big, strong kid. Hits the ball a far way when he makes contact. Uh, career 280 hitter in the minors. His previous high for home runs in a season was uh, in 114 games. He had 13, 11 in Akron. That is not a park that is power friendly. Uh, in the 10 walks this year, you know, his previous high in a season, he had 15, 12, 19. Uh, so he's on pace to break his his record for home runs and walks this season. He's I, I don't know what to make of Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, in general, he's always had like good bat to ball skills. He's always had power potential, but he's another one. It, it seems that like a whole group of players are making it hard to evaluate them. And it's a good thing. It's, you know, it's guys like Trenton Brooks and Will Benson and Alex Call, who were really players I kind of put to the side and I wasn't even looking at anymore. And they've made it. So I have to look at them. Oscar Gonzalez, he's always been that fringe guy. With 11 home runs in 43 games, that's uh, that's just phenomenal. Uh, they're making you reevaluate. They're making you look at them. And then, you know, I talked about Richie Palacios. They draft him in 2018 out of Townsend, a uh, smaller program. Comes from a family of, of of baseball players, and he was young for the class. Uh, turned, like, 21 in the middle of May. I mocked him to the Indians in the third round. I think that's the first pick I've ever gotten right in the third round mock. Uh, and I was correct. And he came out that year. Slash line across three levels. Indians start, had him in Arizona for only five games. Then split between Mahoning Valley and Lake County. And a 361, 422, 538, 960. So I was excited to see him. He was like a fringe top 20 prospect to me after that first season. I was a big fan of his. I thought it was a great selection. Then he got hurt. Missed all of the 2019 season. Missed all of 2020. So for a guy who played 20 games in Lake County, he jumped up to double A this year. I mean, that's a pretty big jump. You know, he, he didn't get an extended look. He had 45 games in the minors before this year. He has 40 games so far this year. He has almost matched his career total of games played in the minors. And this first chance to play above low A, where he barely played, he's got a, I'm laughing, because 291, 387, 459, 847 OPS. 21 walks, 26 strikeouts, two home runs, and 17 doubles. 17 doubles in 40 games. You can look at the on-base percentage, and that's fantastic. 17 doubles. <laughs> then again, you know, you go back to 2018 when he played at Townsend. He had 18 doubles that entire year in 55 games. 14 doubles the year before that. I, Richie Palacios is getting added to the 40 man. I just state it now. I haven't been mentioning him in those discussions. He's getting added. What he is doing is a player who missed all of 2019 due to injury. 2020, and I do not believe he was an alt site player. Came from a small school program in Townsend. And he's lighting up double A 
it's it's an amazing story in general. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, thing to look at. Keep your eye on Richie Palacios. Of all those players down there, outside of like Ty Freeman and Akron, you know, we talked about all the other interesting players. We talked about the outfielders and what they're doing. And, and you know, there's Will Benson and Oscar Gonzalez and Alex Call are all really fun. Trenton Brooks was destroying the ball down there as well. But Richie Palacios might be the number two hitting pro- number three. Bo Naylor is still higher. Let's let's not jump the gun there. But after you get past Naylor and Freeman, there's a lot of interesting players down there. Richie Palacios has taken a claim. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That helps the show grow. Tell a friend. You know, download on your uh, your Audible account and on your iTunes account. You know, all that stuff helps. Uh, I want to thank all the fans out there. Everyone, as always, is great. Uh, tell me what you want to hear. What do you want me to talk about? And uh, I always I thrive on those Twitter, Twitter interactions over at Jeff MLB Draft and... We're going to have a new co-host soon, a second one. Uh, Pat's not going anywhere. Continuing to grow things out. Uh, and the new co-host will be taking over the at Locked On Indians Twitter to uh, to make me not, you know, as bad with the social media. So that'll be somewhere else to hit us up. So go check that out. I've been Jeff Ellis. It's great to be back. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe. <laughs>